go to the word of the Lord tonight. And I'm going to ask you if you would to turn to the book of Daniel while you come uh, to your feet in ch chapter number 3. And we're going to read verse 20 and 21. Last week we started the first message of this sermon series on the thought, bind us together. And uh, we are taking a look here at the significance of what happens when uh, God's people come together, amen, in uh, very specific moments and some things that happen in regards. And we were taking a look here in our central text here out of Daniel 3 and very familiar place here of scripture of the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And uh, we're looking here at some specific things uh, in regards uh, out of this particular passage and and uh, I believe that uh, the Lord, amen, uh, help us uh, tonight and through this, amen, in understanding the importance and the power of God-ordained partnerships, amen, and uh, the people uh, not of the family of God and those that are uh, in the fight with us, in our corners with us, amen. And if you're there with me tonight, why don't you say amen. The Bible here says, and I want you to notice uh, some of this that we are specifically looking at here tonight. It says, and he, this is speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind. I want to emphasize that there, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound, here we see again, bound in their coats, their hose, and their hats, other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So in this we see these men, and we're going to be looking at some pit particulars that brought us to this place, but they are physically bound together and thrown into this furnace. And one of the greatest demonstrations of God's power, of his miracle working power, was getting ready to be demonstrated. And this came not only as they were physically bound together, but I would like to unpack some of the reasons of what I believe was even greater significance is because spiritually they were bound together. And as a result was going to see a man, Christ in a way that had never been seen before. And uh, we're going to look at this tonight. Would you help us to pray? Father, once again we thank you for every heart and life represented. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint every ear and every heart as we break the bread of life together. I pray, Lord, you would challenge us by your word and speak to our hearts. Lord, draw us, bind us. Help us, Lord, to see the significance and the importance, amen, of partnerships. And, Lord, the importance of the family of God and those at whom we are linked together with. And, Father, we thank you for it. I pray, anoint my mind and lips 
uh, to preach as would bring you glory. And we thank you for meeting with us here tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. We started last week with this truth, and that is the fact that Scripture has much to say in regards to the dynamic and the power of partnership. We find throughout the Word of God as to where God would bring together people. He would bring together groups of people. Amen. For the common purpose and cause that His will would be fulfilled, that the kingdom of God would advance, and also that significant works would be done, not just in the life of one, but in the life of many. I have said before, and I believe God's word lends us to this, uh, to this train of thought, but in our humanity, I've said that man often does math in addition, but God does math in multiplication. And there is the exponent and a rapid explosion of growth as things are multiplied. And uh, we had established the fact that last week that I truly believe that God has not called any man or woman to be an island unto themselves. As a matter of fact, I want you to know and want you to understand tonight, and this is not a knock against your spirituality. This is not a, uh, a knock against uh, your uh, abilities or, or uh, the strength of your relationship with God, but I want to let you know that from the pulpit to the back pew there is not a one of us that in this walk with God and if we're going to make heaven our home that we are going to do it in our singular effort. I want you to know tonight that as you look around this room and though there are things that are very different about us there are things that are different in our experiences there are things in differences of age there are things that are different in maybe likes or dislikes but in all the difference that there might be there are powerful common denominators and I want you to understand this truth here tonight and I want you to know that the people sitting next to you on the pew I want you to understand that the people in this building amen that that collectively that we need one another and it is imperative that we are bound together, amen, in our common likeness and in those common denominators so that not just one of us has success, and I use that term in the most spiritual way that I can so that not just one of us have a grand experience or that just one of us have revival or that just one of us can say my God has been mighty and powerful in my life but so that we can multiply that experience together amen so that as God does so in me and as God does so in you that he will do so in all of us, amen, together. 
Hallelujah. We come to find that we are called to be the body of Christ. And in this, I want you to understand is this is significant in the fact that these young men, they stand in that furnace. They are thrown in there, but they stand in there and they stand with purpose and resolve in trusting God, not because it was cords that bound them, oh, but because it was purpose that bound them. It was the power of God that bound them. Oh, it was the work of God that had brought them together for such a moment. Amen. I know all of us can look around and see that there are significant places and moments and times in your life that you know you couldn't have got through it. You wouldn't have survived it. You wouldn't have lived to have a testimony or tell the story had not somebody come along beside you. Had not somebody reached out a hand. Had not somebody agreed with you in prayer. Had not somebody met with you in an altar. Had not somebody uh, spent and burn the midnight oil, amen, to pray something all the way through. Oh, can I say that oftentimes, sadly, in our current church age, in our current church generation, we find as to where uh, the, the body is often segregated and, and it is often pulled apart in various directions. Don't get me wrong tonight. We have, we have a, a wonderful children's ministry here on Wednesday nights and our children are learning the, the basics of the Bible and discipleship our young people that are coming together and they are, they are hearing the preaching they, I can promise you this none of these groups are stuck in a room and, and they're just eating candy and running around, amen, but the Bible is preached and prayer is emphasized and altar calls are given or on a Sunday morning for kids church, oh but understand this is, is that there is a, a great problem in the fact that now we are seeing as to where the church body as a whole that for extended periods or it is the norm that kids are never inside of a, a regular church service or young people are never apart rubbing shoulders or worshiping with the elders. We've even seen now in a lot of churches as to where they will take the middle age and they will say well we will just have a separate Bible study or a cell group or something and they're, they're completely apart from one another. Can I remind you tonight that man woman boy and girl that from the youngest amen whether it's brother Silas and Colson or, or whether you get on up to some of these old, can I just tell you we must be bound together and I want it to be said and want it to be seen and experienced in this house that in every capacity listen I know them babies don't understand everything but you know what I love I love the fact that you'll see them in the altars there's times I get tickled them girls they'll get to praying and they'll get to shouting you know what I mean by shouting they'll lift their voice and they'll cry and one will be a little loud and so the next one's going to be a little bit louder Come on, come on. You'll see where they'll be there sometimes uh, as different ones. And can I tell you, even the babies, they don't know it all. And let me tell you, adults, some of us, we still don't know it all. Come on. 
But we're in here and we're in this thing. And some would say, well, is this a disruption and is this a distraction? Let me just tell you right now, if you haven't learned in nearly the last three years, I want to remind you of this pastor's heart. I want them babies. And Brother, uh, Brother Tobin, it's okay. I mean, I understand you're trying to teach them. I understand you're trying to help him learn. But, uh, but don't be embarrassed if Silas breaks free. Don't be, don't be embarrassed. Uh, Sister Lindy, don't get too wore out. Amen. Because sometimes you, you mamas listen. Grandmamas, whatever the case might be. And you felt like you're wrestling with the young one. Bring them to church anyway. Let them sing. Let them share a prayer request. Let them do it because I'm going to tell you something. We need them to have an experience because if we're not careful, Pentecost is going to die with the generation. But I want us, oh, may God bind us together for purpose that we are trying to restore. That's what Brother Clinton and said, restoring the message of Pentecost and not just a message. What does that mean? But Brother Gary, we want the experience of Pentecost to rule in this house. The power of God. So if you get huffy and you think Brother Jake just don't have control over the congregation and the kids, just calm yourself down. I'm saying that with a smile. Just be, just, just, it'll be all right, I promise you. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you what happens is somewhere along the, along the way, one of them little ones, they get up there praying, and one time, Sister Cindy, it's going to catch. At one time, they're not just trying to outdo the friend, but one time, they be, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on here. And can I tell you, mom and daddy, don't let, don't let your kids see you like a wooden Indian, a stick in the mud sitting in the pew all the time. They need to see you worship. They need to hear you clap your hands. They need to know you sing. They need to know that you enjoy the word of God. They need, because I'm telling you, they're watching us. And I know this is a little bit of a rabbit trail. And this really isn't in my notes. But I thought I'd tell you anyway. Amen. There is purpose because here's the deal. At the end of the day, that world will look to devour them babies and it's already looking to devour you and me so we'd better say I need some folks in my corner I want some folks that will help me pray with my kids I want some folks that will help me to, to believe for miracles in my marriage, in my family we want revival together in the church we want an experience in Christ Amen Oh that's going to keep us to the coming of the Lord. They were bound. They were set apart. We ended Wednesday night on this truth. Set apart. The word of the Lord says. And I'm just going to reference. I'm not going to read. This particular passage that I read. But we find as to where. In Daniel the first chapter. We backtrack. And if you want to mark it down. To go back and read it. Verses 3 through 8. We find that not only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Daniel as well. They had purpose. The Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart. So what had happened as these children were taken captive, as you, as you might know some of the Bible history, the Jews had been, they had been overtaken. They were brought in, many of them brought into Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, they went through and they picked, if you will, the cream of the crop. 
They picked those who had skill and ability and wisdom and understanding that were cunning and knowledge. They were that, that they could teach and that they could train. And he wanted them around him. He wanted to add them into his kingdom. And so as a part, he said, well, you guys are a, an elite bunch, and so I'm going to feed you an elite meal. And so he offered the king's meat, offered the king's wine. And we find, and, and just for a little bit of history lesson, you got to understand, is that these meats were, were meats that were offered to idols. And they were off, oftentimes as well meats that were against the dietary law of the Jews. Now what I want you to understand is that God... God, when we look at the Old Testament, there were some very specific things, as you know, that was in accordance to the law. Things that were deemed clean, things that were deemed unclean, things that the, the children of Israel could do and things that they could not do. And this was all for the purpose, Brother Coleman, is because God had chosen them. God had set them apart. God had said, these are my people and I'm going to be their God. We see as and, and all of this and all of these things uh, that as there is a designation I want to remind you I want to remind you church uh, is that it is important uh, it's imperative because we are fighting a spirit of the age uh, and the spirit of the age uh, and that spirit of antichrist uh, will wants to make the church believe that if you don't swallow everything uh, that's coming down the pipe uh, that if you're not inclusive and if you're not respectful respectful to every ideology and every sense of what the world deems more moral, whatever the case might be. I'm going to tell you something. We're live stream, we're out there on the internet, or when folks come in, I'm going to tell you right now, there is going to be a day, I'm sure, where we're going to be called on the carpet. We're somewhere down the line. We're going to be told what we can and cannot preach. I don't know if you heard the story, but back when Houston had newly elected their mayor a very liberal woman and she had began had a council of people and they were setting out after churches and said that they were wanting to try to proofread and to pre uh, 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 approve what was going to be preached in the pulpits in the city limit Do some of y'all remember that you know what I love sister Brenda is a bunch of pastors got together and they mailed in their Bible Bibles. They mailed their Bibles in. And they said, the story said that her office was inundated with Bibles. And pastors would put a note and say, here's my preaching notes for the next year. Hallelujah. But I'm going to say that to say this. There are folks right now, there's an agenda coming against the church that we are to allow. They want you to allow homosexuals and lesbians to teach in our Sunday school class. Or for us to perform same-sex marriages. Or to give a condoning idea that it's okay for pedophiles to be a part of these things. Listen, I'll let any of them come in and sit in a service. But honey, they're not going to be on the platform. They're not going to be in a class. Not going to preach behind the pulpit. But here's what I want for them, Brother Chris. They can come to the altar and get born again. Washed in the blood. I'm telling you, church, you must understand. We as a church must remember we have been set apart. We 
We've been called out. Part of the problem with the current church, even in our Pentecostal ranks, and there could be hundreds that would amen and clap right along with you. But when the rubber meets the roads, we're sitting on our hands and we're hiding in the corners. We're saying, well, you know, I... You know, because some people, they start to feel different when it's your grandkids and kids who start believing that mess. And they come home from secular colleges and tell you that the God you taught them, that that's wrong, but what they believe now is right. Come on, it's happening. Talked with pastors, send their kids, church kids. We, we have a great falling away of the fact that when children often leave the church at 18, there's a big gap. We're not seeing them return. Because they're gobbling these things up. So here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm getting at. The minority voice of the world is very proud of what they come together for. They're very proud upon which they stand and what they believe. Let me tell you something. Sin is not done secretly or in the closet anymore. It's out there very much in the open. And they will tell you, and this is where I'm getting with all this, they will tell you you're wrong and narrow-minded, you're judgmental, you really don't love Jesus if you think those things or whatever. Like I said, any, I mean, any of them can come into service, that's fine. And listen, listen, you can sit there and shake your head with me, but if that happens, don't you sit there and look around and say, well, what in the world are we going to do? Come on. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to preach Christ. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to let the Holy Ghost deal Amen. We're going to do that. But here's what I want you to understand. As we as a church for too long, we've seen as to where the church today has a worldly spirit and a worldly appetite. Because we have believed we've got to be like everybody else to win the lost. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Can I tell you, we as a church, we have been bound by this common denominator of Christ. And Christ crucified and not only was he crucified, Sister Bambi, he was crucified on a cruel cross. And it died. But then we also believe and declare that not only did he die, but he was buried in a tomb. But three days later, he came out of that tomb alive and well. And we still believe and we're still going to preach that he is coming back again. The world would say, well, that's a fairy tale. I'm saying and I'll proclaim it until I don't have breath in my body or we're raptured out of here. But Christ is coming again and here's another thing is the fact that the world would say they could tell me all day long well preacher you could really grow your church if you would just get tone it down a little bit if you wouldn't let them act so weird and listen I know that that's how we're going to be looked at because that's how some of the same folks look that's how some of you look when the spirit of God gets to moving you're nervous as a long-tailed cat full of room full of rocking chairs. Hey, man, you don't know what to do. Got to fiddle with your phone. Got to get up and leave. Got to run to the bathroom. Come on here. What I'm getting at is, is that there is strength that comes when we bind together. And Sister Anna, you and I, we might be day, uh, different as daylight and dark. But here's what I do know. We have a Savior. We are washed in the blood. We are, we are looking for one, that, that risen Lamb of God is coming back. We believe in the one that still baptizes in the Holy Ghost. We still believe, Brother Marvin, that he heals sick bodies. We still believe... 
the Word of God is absolutely the truth. It is God-inspired, and it is infallible, and it is ordained. I'm here to tell you, there are purposes that King pulled them out, set them apart, said, this is what we want. Oh, but can I tell you, we are set apart, sanctified by the blood, but you'd better understand the world says, well, that's fine, but we want you to feed on this. That's fine, you can have church. Heard a brother at youth conference said, the devil and the world honestly could care less what happens in here. It's when we get out there is what they don't like. When we get out there and we're living it, there's a novel idea. When we're living it, when we're not just singing it and preaching it and proclaiming it on a Sunday, but we're living it. That when we tell a co-worker that we're born again, And then all eyes are going to be on you that they see something in you to know that you are born again. Come on here. That's where the problem lies is the world says as long as you don't bring that stuff out here. And so therefore telling us this is what you can eat on. This is what you can do. You can have your little church service and you can do all that stuff. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to force feed you some stuff and that's what you've got to take part in. But Daniel said, "Uh, no, no, no. He purposed in his heart. I want to stop right here and remind you, church, that if if we bind together, if we're going to see the power of God... I want you to notice this did not start them making a rash decision standing in front of the fiery furnace. Of not bowing before the king's golden image when the music was played. The miracle in chapter 3 started in chapter 1. And it started not with them on a soapbox somewhere or, or making some public show. But it started, Brother Mike, first in the heart. Here's what we got to remember, church, a real move of God, the miraculous, the power of God. It is going to come and be shown after first there is something real that happens in our hearts. You're not going to have revival without repentance. You're not going to, I know there's lots of talk right now about what's going on in Kentucky and what's spilling over and in other places, in college campuses. And somebody has asked me, said, well, what do you think about it? What do you think? And I said, well, right now I've just been watching. I've been quietly watching and looking. And there's some, there's some religious folks, they got saliva, blood dripping out of their mouth. They're just going to tear it apart no matter what it is. Some folks, they don't want a move of God. But if it's revival and it's real, I want it to, let it touch Beaumont. Come on. Let it burn all the way, all the way over here. But here's what I do know, Sister Gay, is that real revival is predicated by repentance. By repentance. Daniel purposed, Brother Tobin, in his heart. They could not wait. Those boys, now here's what's important, is that with Daniel was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now the Bible says explicitly, Brother Gary, that Daniel purposed in his heart. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was with him when they made the ask and said, here's what we would like to do. Let us eat 
pulse and drink water. In other words, it was, a, it was a, a, a really a vegetarian diet, if you will. They said, let us do that. Give us 10 days and then take a look and see. I want you to, I want, in my, this is how my mind works. Because it said Daniel purposed in his heart. I'm sure that Daniel looked around and were some others that came with him from Israel who knew better, who knew not to partake, who knew that it wasn't right, and they're doing their thing. Mom and daddy ain't around. The rabbi's not around. Nobody's around. And Daniel's looking and he's probably thinking, who is going to stand with me? And I imagine, Sister Mildred, maybe the conversation came like this. He noticed that while some others were partaking in some things, he looked over and saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, Hey, now these guys, they're, they're like me. And I imagine at some point they got together and they began to talk and said, Why don't we do this? I'm saying this to remind you, church, that in this day and in this age, that when it comes to the fact of the purpose, that we knowing we are separated and called out, I want you to understand is that it's imperative that you draw strength and you build partnership with people who are like you in the sense of what we believe. What we believe. Now, through this sermon series, I am not ever advocating that we are religious jerks, that we are self-righteous, and that we go around pointing our finger at people. We are mature people. We understand that doesn't work. That's never going to save anybody. It's not. But here's what I want you to understand is that the enemy is pulling. Here's the thing. It is a tragedy when God's people only come together for Sunday, but there's never any connection or any interaction at any other time. I have been questioned before, not in an ugly way, but there are some that say, well, Brother Jacob, he does too many fellowships, too many, too many times of coming together and, you know, playing games, having fun, and all that kind of stuff. First of all, in my heart, I think to myself, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? Secondly, my thought is, if there's something simple we can do, as common as breaking bread together. Oh, by the way, did you know that's what the church in the book of Acts did? They came together often, breaking bread together, fellowshipping. And here's what it also says. I know that this also pertained to properties and things of that nature. But Brother Marvin, it said they had all things in common. That church was going to be persecuted and scattered all over the earth. You'd better believe they found quickly the power of what it was to be bound together, separated. Because the world marked them. The world separated them. Marked them. And, that, and, and what I'm getting at is, is there's something powerful about building relationship and being able to fellowship together. And knowing that at the end of the day that we don't listen. The enemy would love for us to come to church and be total strangers. He'd love it. You know what will happen if that's the case? You never get traction. You're never moving forward together. You're never, you're never going to accomplish anything in the kingdom. And so we come together. 
And so somebody calls you or somebody invites you over or somebody, or we say, hey, we're going to go do this. Let's do this together, whatever the case might be. Listen, I understand everybody likes a little bit of downtime away from everybody. Sometimes you need a little bit of breather. I understand those things. But I want to tell you this is that there is significance because I'll tell you who specializes in isolation. It's the enemy. It's the enemy. He wants to isolate you, isolate your mind. If he can get you in a corner to yourself, he'll do his best to destroy you. The bonds of fellowship are important. We are set apart. We are set apart for a common cause. I want you to notice this. They did this because they were separated. They separated themselves unto God and also for the act of solidarity. Now, here's what, here's what that simply means. It means they came together for a common cause. They came together for a common cause. So the Bible tells us here in the Word of God, as they recognize that they are set apart. Nebuchadnezzar recognized they were different. Amen. Sometimes we reach a point as to where there are, we're so afraid that the world would see us differently. But they were different. You know what's amazing is the world and its idea and mentality, they will go to great extremes to supposedly be different and unique. And here we find ourselves at the church. We've got common causes. We are bound by purpose. God has set us apart. We are redeemed by his blood and we're scared to death of being different. Scared to death of it. Solidarity. Listen to this. We find in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 11 through 13, it says this. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Again, those were their Hebrew names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were their Babylonian names. My, grand, my great-grandmother Ada Reynolds, she said, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. And she... And she, and that's, and that's how she always said it. To bed we go. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there for you. But listen, it says, "Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat." As thou seest, deal with thy servants. So first there was purpose in their heart. They knew they were set apart. They purposed. They came together. They were bound together by purpose. And then we find that they come together to practice this act of solidarity together. I want to, I want to remind you is that there, there's great strength. Have you ever noticed in a service as the Holy Ghost is moving, the way that it just sweeps through a, a place and it begins to touch one person and another. 
I mean, I've seen it sometimes where it's almost like it works from the back to the front or from the front to the back or from one side to the other. And it's just like what begins to happen in one, it just begins to trickle. And, and somewhere, Brother Eli, somebody else takes heart and takes courage and says, well, I'm not going to let God pass me by. And they press in. And then somebody else stands up, Sister Wanda, and says, well, I'm not going to let him pass me by. And they press in. And somebody else steps out. And that's why when I make an altar call, I always say, come on, let's all come to the altar amen some of you are going to be waiting 50 years for the, the specific altar call that you've been waiting on no no I've been telling you when I, we make an altar call just come pray amen ain't no harm in it just come pray just get down here offer yourself before the Lord there is something powerful don't don't leave here mad at me I didn't say you couldn't pray in your pew and, and I understand for some it's hard you can't get on your knees and things of that nature I understand all of that but when, when I say come on let's come together it's because brother Eli when we're in this house and we're bound together we know we're set apart that we are going to participate with solidarity to say I am in this house I do not show up on Sunday for a fashion show I do not show up on Sunday to look around the sanctuary and be mad and aggravated of who didn't come but I came for the purpose if I'm going to get up out of the bed if I'm going to get myself here at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to get ready I came brother Keith for the purpose and I'm telling you a move of God happens when the platform and when the singers say I'm here for a purpose and the preacher says I'm here for the same purpose and then the people in the pews and the worshipers and those say I'm here for the same purpose I'm telling you get ready and buckle up because God will pour out and God will move because we are participating in the same goal it wasn't only Daniel who said all right boys we know he purposed in his heart, but Brother Eli wasn't him saying, all right. Then he goes to uh, Mizza and says, just give me pulse and water. And listen to this. If you don't hear anything I say, please hear this. He did not say, let my experience bleed over for these other three. Too many times... We are not coming together for the purpose because too many times in the church there is somebody sitting somewhere saying, let somebody else do it. Do you notice when Jesus talked to his disciples, he did not say, pray for the harvest. Go back and read it. He didn't say that. He said, the harvest is ready. The fields are white and ready to harvest. But Brother Brad, what he did say to pray for was what? Laborers. He said, I need some people who will participate. I need some people who will get up and do something. Don't sit there cold and calloused and calculated in your pew and say, well, I might maybe. I will maybe. If this or if that, I'm here to tell you is that your spiritual experience cannot be based upon those who are around you, that their exercise of faith and their participation is going to bleed over for you. 
I love my girl. She's 13. She's at the age of accountability. Well, she, God help me. She's 12. Not 13 yet. She's 12 going on 30, though, I promise you. And, but, but here's the deal, Brother Eli. I love that girl, and I'd die for her. I would give my life for her. No, I wouldn't think twice. I'd do it. But here's the thing, Brother Gary. She's old enough now. She knows right from wrong. That's what the age of accountability means. She knows right from wrong. As a matter of fact, she knew it a little bit sooner than other kids out in the world because she's only known the church. I've told the church by the time she was four, she's set in more revivals and camp meetings than some of you ever have. Because that's how she grew up on the road. But I'm going to tell you right now is that as much as I love her, Sister Debbie, all of my experience, even though I'm the pastor of this church, she cannot pull from that experience for her to make heaven. Now, she can learn from that experience. It can be something that sets in her that brings her back. But I'm going to tell you, Brother Eli, them precious babies, there's coming a point they've got to decide. Now, you and Carly's example is going to help make a big impact on that. But I'm going to tell you right now, they have to decide. And we tell that often to our children. But how many times in the church do we have people who will not participate, who will not do what is necessary. They will not come together for the sole purpose of solidarity that we are here to worship God. And that Brother Marvin, above anything else, we want to get into God's presence. And we set and we think, I'll just, I'll bide my time and hopefully the experience of somebody else. Now, don't look at me funny because it happens. All of them, Sister Kelly, ate that same diet. All of them were going to stand before that, that leader and before that king. Daniel said, take a look at all of us after 10 days. Compare us. To those who've ate the king's meat. Take a look at us. He didn't say take a look at me. Oh it'd be nice. It'd be nice. Let me tell you something. Long ago when Brother Clinton started this church. That mighty man of God. When he started this church. It would have been something that just. If everybody could have came in under that banner. Sister Brenda. If everybody could have just came in under. Oh hey we belong to Clinton's church. And I've met some folks that thought that way. They but came up under that banner that that just meant they had a first class ticket to heaven. Come on here. Don't work that way. And yeah, we still got to preach this way in 2023 because there are still folks that don't realize. Daniel said, we're all going to stand. You know what that reminds me of the fact? It's important that we bind together because we will all stand before God. We will. Now we will be judged as individuals. But I'm going to tell you, is that Brother Todd, a large part of how Carmen's going to be judged is going to be based because your actions are affecting her. And vice versa. Same for you, Tobin. What's happening in you, it is, it is moving in that family. Whether you see it, feel it or not, it's moving in that family. You will give an account before God. But that family is going to be impacted by how we did or did not participate. They all ate that diet. They all stood before that king. And they were all going to be judged. Now I'm going to bring this to a close here. We got a little bit more 
on this that we could say. But I want to remind you tonight, church, it is important who you have in your corner. It's important. There are plenty of people, plenty of people that they don't want you to succeed. Sister Anna, I've seen, I've seen you got a lot of friends who they'll tell you they're proud of you and all of that. But you've got some that they don't want to see you in this way. They don't. Brother Eddie, you got some. You got some. Don't want to see you in this way. Sister Kelly, there's some folks somewhere. They don't want to see you make it. They don't. Well, Brother Jake, how can you be so sure to say that? That sounds harsh. Because that's just the mentality of some people. Some people are hateful. Some people are spiteful. And some people are being used by the enemy. I'm telling you. And so that's why it's so important. You come into this house. Can pastor just be a pastor for a minute and tell you something? When you come into this house, don't just run to your pew and sit. You're right, Eli. It's good. That's good preaching. Don't just run to your pew and sit. Before you sit down. Or put your stuff down. Step out. I double dog dare you. Find three people. Shake their hand. Look at somebody in the eye. And say how are you doing today? How, how's your week been Sister Chambly? Did you know it's, it's in moments like that. Where I begin to get some insight from this flock. Of some of the struggles going on. Sometimes a text message. To say hey. Just want you to know I'm praying for you. I check on you, don't I, Brother Eli? I make sure you're holding it tight. Sometimes I text him, he might roll his eyes before he responds. I don't know. No, not really. But what I'm getting at is, don't, don't let that be. And, and, and please do not sit back and say, that's just my personality. That's just how I am. I'm going to tell you something. You've been called to be different. You've been called to be better. And we as a church need to do better. And be sure that not only that we recognize and realize, well, Brother Jake, you don't understand. I don't, I don't particularly care for that one over there. It's all right. You might be surprised. No, they don't particularly care for you either. Well, they're so different. They're so, yeah. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. But even in so-called differences, we can bind together for the common causes. And we can participate together. He said, he said we're all going to do this. Let us, let, us, let us prove ourselves. Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. I want to end on that note. He said... As we know we are set apart and we're going to do this in solidarity together. We're coming together for the common cause. Again, the miracle that happened in the furnace started in chapter 1. In their heart, in their efforts, in their participation. I'm going to tell you right now, you are not going to whip the devil. You are not going to overcome. You are not going to... You're not going to see God move in a particular way. If you think that you can just 
run in there, fly by the seat of your pants, say, well, here I am, and you haven't done anything, anything to get yourself prepared. And that's what these young men were doing. They didn't know it at the time, Sister Mildred, but they were preparing for something, one of the greatest confrontations they were ever going to deal with. So they participated together and they said, let us prove ourselves. I want to tell you, church, there's a world out there. They need to be shown God. They've seen a lot of stuff. They've seen a lot of mess. They've seen a lot of just goofiness in the name of Christ. It's time that we prove ourselves. And we're going to prove ourselves as we have come together, set apart, solidarity. We have the common cause. We want to move of God. I want to know him like no other. And then we're going to see God that he will prove himself in us and through us. I don't care how many boxes of food that we send out from this place. I don't care how many choirs we have come. I don't care how many special events we have, if people cannot see him in us, it's all for naught. We've wasted money and we wasted time. Amen. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness and I thank you, Lord. You have called us. You've separated us. You've set us apart. Lord, I'm so very thankful for your love, the precious blood of Jesus, these things, Lord, that we know, we know we were not purchased by corruptible things, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. You've set us apart. You've saved us. You've pulled us from the miry clay. We have these things in common. And Lord, help us that in solidarity, that we come together for the common cause. We want revival. We want a move of God. We want to see our children make heaven. We want to see our brothers and sisters make heaven. We want to see our extended families make heaven. We want to see this community, as many as possible, be able to make heaven. But Lord, it's going to be as we come together for a common cause. We bind together. Lord, that to realize there's more we agree on than we disagree on. There's more that pulls us together and binds us together than there is that pulls us apart. Father, I pray, help us to realize ain't not a one of us can do this on our own. But Lord, we come together under the banner of Christ, under the covenant of the blood. And Lord, help us, help us that we understand that it takes all of us to participate. We cannot feed off of and receive the blessings and benefits off of somebody else doing it all. But Lord, we've got to come together. And I pray you challenge us. Help us to prove ourselves to a lost and dying world that Christ has shown, that the love of God is made manifest in our lives, that the world can see a difference. It's going to start as we bind together. Lord, as we come together, participate together. Father, I thank you for each and every heart tonight. Challenge us. If that's your heart's desire, if, that's, if you'd say, that's what I want, Brother Jake. Not only that's what I want, but many of us, we can say that's what we need. 
That's what we need. Brother Jacob's not picking on you. I'm thankful for a great family of God. By the large part, we're a very, fi- very unified bunch of people. But I'm going to tell you, it takes work to stay that way. It takes prayer. It takes recognizing and realizing these things to stay that way. And if you'd say, Pastor, that's my heart's desire. Amen. For my church family, for my extended family, for the world that's around me, that I can prove Christ to them. That's your heart. Why don't we come? Find ourselves a place around these altars tonight. Why don't we come and pray? Why don't we ask the Lord to help us tonight? Oh, Father.